0: It's this year we're having church each Sunday in July at 10 a.m. If you're not already connected with the House of Light, download the Wayo app and get connected. This week's sermon is about diligently seeking God and how it's the key to glory. Enjoy this message.
1: been Inspired from a couple of different directions, kind of a hodgepodge of inspiration I got during the week. Uh, the theme we keep talking about is God's glory, God's goodness. We sang about it this morning. Let me just stop just for a minute to remind us what is God's glory? Well, it is His goodness. It's the wisdom of God. It's the creativity of God. It's the generosity of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the grace of God. If I had to just kind of uh, sum it up, it's the never-ending supply of God. That's what glory is. It's the never-ending supply of God. Uh, And... I think so many of us have a distorted view of that and that's why we don't give more, we don't ask bigger, we don't step out in faith and pray for people more because we feel like somehow that's limited. But there are no limits. Uh, Psalm says they, they uh, did not believe and limited the Holy One of Israel. God has no limits. His glory has no limits. And so I just believe that that God's wanting to move us in this mentality today uh, as we realize hopefully a revelation from God's word about his glory. Uh, I call it, uh, because I read an article from a friend of mine that wrote, Pastor Joe Sweet, called The Shining Ones. And I believe that the whole earth is just groaning, waiting for God's people to stand up and begin to shine like they've never shined before. Whether it's being do work, doing good works overseas, whether it's fulfilling your call and purpose, whether it's praying for people and they're miraculously being touched and healed, whether it's generously giving to missionaries in their work, I believe God's just waiting for our lights. You know, he said something like this, didn't he? He said, I don't give you a light so you can hide it under a bushel or you can put it under a bed, but I've given it to you so you can let it shine. And so I believe we're, we're, we're called to be shining ones. And so touch two or three people and say, you're a shining one. Tell them, you're a shining one. <laughs> Our second encouragement I found was from uh, Jackie Patio. She came to me this week and told me a really cool story. I won't give you all the details, but it's a really powerful story. But basically, she was out in the community shining as a bright light, as she always does. And, uh, you know, you can't get around Jackie and not feel good in just a couple minutes. She's going to make you feel good. She's just shining. And so she's in a parking lot in Anniston and and gets out of her car and she hears across the parking lot amongst a lot of traffic and, and different people, a voice saying, hey, lady, could you buy me something to eat? Jackie shining as a bright light, of course, did and connects with this lady and takes her Cross the street to Waffle House and gets her a hamburger and a whole lot of story goes on about that it's really cool but long story short she's sitting there and as she's feeding her and putting money in her pocket of course and shining her light and helping this lady she strikes up a conversation with the lady to begin to know more about her basically her predicament comes she lives with her son who's in and out of drugs and every time he gets on drugs they get thrown out of where they live and so she's in this cycle you know of in and out of homelessness so Jackie's ministering to her and she goes on to tell her, she said, well, are you doing okay other than that? She says, well, I, w- I went down, she called it Springfellow, went down to Springfella Hospital, and they diagnosed me with breast cancer. And Jackie said, well, are you okay? She goes, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I healed myself. She said, what do you mean you healed yourself? She said, oh, well, yeah. She said, there's a church out there on 202. <laughs> Jackie said, what church are you talking about? She said, that church out there on 202, you know that preacher that wears a blue blazer and jeans all the time. And I'm like, I'm like, I better get another, a new blazer, you know. She said, she a preacher out there wears blue blazer and jeans all the time. She said, you know, they teach out there, you lay hands, you lay hands, you get healed. So she said, I went to the doctor and he diagnosed me. And, and so I, I went home, I went back and I just laid hands on myself and just said, be healed. He said, I went back to the doctor and they checked me. Couldn't find no cancer. I'd been, I, I, I'd been healed. Of course, Jackie, Jackie went on to tell her, of course, you know, that, that uh, my name's Kent, and Word uh, Alive, and she, of course, that she was, how, how does God orchestrate those things? That Jackie's from Word Alive, out of all the people in the parking lot, you know, shining ones. Amen. Boy, and I want our church, how good is it that our church shines? You know what I mean? Like, what, great te- what greater testimony can you, can you know that didn't matter if they knew my name or the name of the church, it, I love it, there is a church. There is a church, and they teach you there, lay hands and you'll be healed. To me, that was just awesome. So we want to continue this journey, if you will. We want to continue down the path that we believe God's called us to to be shining ones. And so I just want to see if I can't sow a little bit of revelation into us this morning. First of all, Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Isn't that interesting? The Lord will arise on you and his glory will be seen upon you. What's the revelation of that? Glory doesn't come from outside. Glory doesn't fall from heaven onto your life. It actually comes from inside you. Jesus said, Know you not that the kingdom of God is in you. The epistle says the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, we had an interesting in, in, in encounter like this. Uh, my son Caleb was 12, we were in a gospel meeting and they didn't even believe in this manifestation but there was a man, there's manifestation sometime happened to me this week. I was preaching up in Florence, I started preaching and while I was preaching, like glitter came all over me. My face, my hands, my coat, you know, just, just was there and uh, we've seen it happen lots of times you know we'll just start talking about it and it'll just start manifesting it'll just come on our hands and our bodies just this gold glitter glitter like substance i believe representing the glory of god you say what is it it's a sign and a wonder it's a sign that makes you wonder <laughs> right i mean it's just you don't know i mean it's just it just it, it just happens but this meeting they didn't believe in that and my son was 12 and Caleb and we were in a worship service and we worshiped. We saw God do miracles that night and I wasn't preaching. I was just attending the meeting. We got home and we were all getting undressed in the hotel, putting our PJs on to go to bed. And uh, Bev took Caleb's t-shirt and boxer shorts that he was wearing and to fold them, you know, in the hotel just to keep the room neat and shook his shirt like that, you know, to, before she folded it. And gold dust just flew all over the room. And so, uh, the point is, this stuff doesn't come from outside in. It comes from inside out. Because the glory of God is in you. So will not you go ahead and touch two or three people and tell them the glory of God is in you. Now I know some of you don't believe that because you rode here together. <laughs> but still the glory of God is in you. And this is a revelation I hope you're going to get today. The glory of God is in you. Jesus, on the Mount of Transfiguration in Mark 9, 1 through 9, I, I won't take time to read the scripture, but just trust me, it's there. It says, there are those who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God come with power. There are those who will not taste death. That's what Jesus told his disciples. Maybe we can put that one verse up. We've got time for that. It says, there are those who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God come or present with power. And so the rest of the story goes only takes uh, Peter, James, and John to a mountain. And Jesus meets with Elijah and Moses on the mountain, which is supernatural, right? Because one's been raptured and one died. And so they are both appear. So it's this supernatural glory encounter. And there Jesus, it says, is transfigured before him. And his clothes even started shining brighter than any fuller soap could even make you have white clothes. And Peter encountered that there and saw it. A lot of people think that that manifestation was about the return or the second coming of Christ. And I'm sure there's probably some prophetic movement toward that. But here's what happened to Peter. Peter got a revelation that the potential of glory was on the inside of every believer. Because we see him later on in the scripture after having an encounter with God on the Mount of Transfiguration. Walking in that same kind of manifestation. In Acts chapter 5, it says something like this. It says, verse 15 to 16, So they brought the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them, and a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Peter's shadow would heal the sick. Which was interesting, in it? Because he had such light shining out of him, it would cast a, sh- a shadow on pe- people around him. And you, you say, well, do you believe that? Well, absolutely, because I've been around people that have demons that cast shadows. I've been around demonic people that have a demonic force about them that you'll get around them and you get a feeling. You, when you get in their presence, you get like a... Mm, anybody ever... Well, I'm, my, my proposal is this. If demon power has that kind of influence, how much more does God's Holy Spirit through us have this? You've heard of drive-by shootings. How about some drive-by healings in a day? You know what I'm talking about? How, about? how about we just start walking in this realm, allowing. Now, here's where, here's where we got to get to. Everybody has it. This is what we want to get to, but few are manifesting it. Everybody has it, but few are manifesting it. Few are walking in this realm that I believe God is calling us to to, to walk in. And and we're at stages. Some of us are beginning our journey in it and walking in it. But Peter actually teaches us in the book of Peter, and I'd never seen this before, he takes the encounter he had on the Mount Transfiguration Transfiguration, and starts teaching the church how to walk in it. It's really cool. I'll just read this scripture just, just real quick. It says, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories or myths when we made known to you the power and coming. word coming is translated parousia, which means presence. The power and presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we are eyewitnesses. Peter's saying, I didn't read this in a six steps to God's glory book or a, or a CD set. I'm an eyewitness of his majesty, his grandeur, his authority, and his sovereignty. For when he was invested with honor, the radiance of the Shekinah, Glory from God the Father, such a voice as this came to him from the splendid majestic glory in the bright cloud that overshadowed him saying, this is my son, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and delighted. And we, Peter said, actually heard the voice from heaven and and were together with him on the holy mountain. So he's saying, I I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw the glory come on him with my own eyes. I saw the glory come on him. So he says, I have a prophetic word. A more certain word, and you do well to pay close attention to it as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and light breaks through the gloom and the morning star rises on your hearts. What's he saying? Hang on to the promise of God's glory in your life until you see it manifest inside of you. Hang on, he says, to the promise of God's glory working in you until it rises and you see it manifest inside of you. And he goes on to teach us a really uh, powerful teaching in the book of, of 2 Peter how to move in this, how to begin to take place in this, and he gives us some great understanding. Number one, he says it's something you already have. According to 2 Peter 1 3, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You've got all the wisdom, you've got all the strength, you've got all the peace, you've got all the joy, you've got all the revelation, you've got all the anointing, you've got all that you need already on the inside of you. It's been given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Touch two or three people right on the belly, say you got powerful stuff in there. Come on. You've got powerful stuff, stuff there. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life of God. It's through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue. This is important. You already got it on the inside of you. There is, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm still stepping into this call I received recently from the Lord to break the uh, superstitious religious ignorance off of us in the South, that's the Bible Belt. We've been beat with the Bible Belt too long. It's the truth of the Word that we need, and and I know that's harsh, but I'm going. I'm going to walk in it because I want to see people free in it. And and most and, and we have it, but we're not walking in it because we don't really believe it's something that we already have because we've been taught wrong doctrinally. We've been taught that you're inherently evil. We've been we've lived under a false teaching that tells people you are you are conceived in sin. Well, that's not that's not true. You weren't conceived in sin. That one scripture that says that we've, built, that we've built a heresy on that everybody's conceived in sin is one scripture where David said, in sin, my mother conceived me. Well, we know historically David was uh, illegitimate. So much so when, when, the, when the prophet uh, was, was called to the house to anoint the king, uh, he looked at all the sons and David wasn't even invited to the meeting because he wasn't a legitimate son. So they left him out in the field, tended sheep while the legitimate sons got looked at and the old prophet said, he ain't here. And they thought, surely you're not talking about the uh, illegitimate kid out there that's, uh, he goes, I don't know, bring him to me. when he you He's the one. Don't you think God that he takes the illegitimate, come on, and makes us legitimate I like that about God. So David, praising God for his great grace and favor, makes this statement in an attitude of praise saying, even though in in sin I was conceived, even though I was illegitimately born, God has done all this in my life. We take that and teach people they're inherently evil. But that is not true. You're inherently good. Because the Bible says you were actually created in the image of God. And if you go back to creation, he says six, it is good. 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 Didn't make anything bad. I said it didn't make anything bad. It is good. Six day creates man says, whoa, wait a minute. Very good. Now. We buy into the lie because you don't always act good. And so we understand that, but your behavior doesn't determine your identity. You say, then what is salvation all about, Kent, if I'm not being saved from being evil? Salvation's not being saved from being evil. Salvation's actually waking up to the fact of actually who you are. If you're living in sin, it's just cause you got amnesia. You forgot that you were born a child of God to live in the glory and the purposes of God. Touch two or three people and say, I'm sorry, I just forgot who I was. I just forgot who I was. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians, Awake from the dead, arise out of death, and God will give you light. And may I just go ahead and tell you this? I got a little school in between services from some educated people. <laughs> Came to tell me, they said, Kent, you're on the right track. I said, thank you for the affirmation. I said, they said, we just saw a video this week. We were preaching on the seed, and we saw on a video that when the sperm meets the egg, at conception, they actually there's something that happens scientifically and it and it sparks and light. Now now I understand John 1 6. Every child born comes into the world with light. The moment your sperm hit that egg, light came. I'm, okay, all right. You can look at me with that religious superstitious ignorance all you want, I'm gonna keep preaching the truth. Well, that's not what I've been taught. Well, you've been taught wrong. A tree got me out of a garden and a tree got me back in. We're, we, we're, we, we have the glory on the inside of us. We were created in the image of God. When the Holy Spirit touches us, we are awakened, we are illuminated to the fact of all that's on the inside of us. That's why Ephesians says, I pray that you would get the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that your eyes could get open." so that you would understand your hope and your calling and the riches of the glory of the inheritance that's inside the saints. Heaven's bankrupt. So everybody's wanting to go, but if you get there before we do, you're gonna be disappointed. Cause heaven's bankrupt. I know that's hard for people to believe, but my Bible says Jesus who was poor became rich. So. Th- Jesus who was rich became poor, so those of us who are poor might be rich. Not money-wise, spiritually speaking. It says, in Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When Jesus came to the earth and deposited his life in the earth, he deposited all of heaven into earth. The riches of heaven is not in heaven, the riches of heaven is in the saints. You are the pearl of great price. You are the pearl of great price. That's why Jesus was willing to buy the whole field because you were in it. That's why preaching against darkness and sin and all the bad stuff in your life doesn't produce anything because it's not what God's after. Yeah, he wants to deal with that, but not for the sake of of that. He's wanting to deal with it because he's trying to get it up and away from you so he can get to the glory that's on the inside of you. So he lets you go through difficulties and difficult trials and problems. Why? To turn the fire up so that all that stuff will come up out of you. It's just like a refiner's fire. He's just letting you get into the mix and letting that fire come to get that dross coming to the top. And then he just keeps taking off dross after dross after dross after dross. Why? He's not after the core of sin. He's after a core of glory that's on the inside of you. And it says just like a refiner's when, he's, when he's, a goldsmith is refining the fire, he keeps spooning it off until he gets the dross off the top and he knows the metal's pure and ready for use when he can look in it and see his own reflection. That's why Peter teaches this. Oh, Peter's rocking it. He, he, and I think in First Peter, he says, knowing that the trying of your faith is more precious than the trying of gold. And so God is wanting you to realize there's glory on the inside of you. Our job, our job as ministers has never been to expose your weaknesses or your sin. It was to try to dig down through and mine the glory parts of you. The giftings, the callings, the anointings, the potential, the purpose that's on the inside of believers. But we've been taught that, you know, we'll just do the best you can until you get to glory. Right? No. You get glory now, preparing you for glory to come. And I know it's a bit, it's a bit much for us, but we're, we're finding our way in it. You better come on. That's right. From glory to glory. That's exactly right. From revelation to revelation of who we are, we're coming into a deeper, deeper knowledge of what Jesus wants to do in our life. So it's something you already, he's already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Too quick, I'm moving. It's not achievement, it's an inheritance. By which we have been given exceeding great and precious promises that through these we might be partakers of the divine nature. We become partakers of what we already have by believing. I felt like a real preacher just then. This felt like a real preacher thing come on me. We get what we already have by believing. The promises. By these exceeding, great, and precious promises, through these, we become partakers of the divine nature. That's the life of Abraham. Abraham was given a promise, not a command. His response of faith is what made him righteous, not his behavior. It was not a promise, it was a promise and an inheritance. Abraham believed God it was counted to righteousness. I was in India this time traveling and preaching, I had prayer time, I was walking, praying, walking, praying, and this scripture coming came, came at me, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. And I'm sitting there with Abraham believed God. And I was like, yes, Abraham believed God. And the Holy Spirit said, what did he believe? And I got to think about it, I said, well, he didn't have a Bible. So it wasn't he believed the Bible. He didn't have a church, so he didn't believe in church. He didn't have the Ten Commandments. Didn't have Torah. I was like, well, I don't know. What? What did he? I mean, what did he believe? Just like this Holy Spirit said, he believed what I said about him. I came to him and simply said, leave your country and I will make you a father of many nations. He said all he did was believe what I said about him. He said, and to be, this is going, he said to believe in God is to believe in yourself. Believe in what God has said about you. Cause Abraham said, God, how will you do this? Seeing I go childless, And my wife is barren. God said, get out of your tent. Look up to the sky and start counting the stars. And as many as you can see, that's how many children you're gonna have. Why? Because I'm the God who calls things that are not as though they should be and causes dead things to live again. And I will show you I can do what I need to do in your life. You just believe what I said about you. Come on. Come on, somebody. And by the promise of what God has said about me and you, called to be shining ones, we start walking. You saw Abraham. He began and he walked. He got into such a place of God and faith that even after God gave him the promise, he was willing to sacrifice it. He went from a place of absolute no knowledge of God, no faith in God, to a place after he was, took the promise with him. Who, by the way, if you, if you study uh, history, Isaac was not a baby. He was actually 33. 33 years old. He wasn't a child. He was actually grown when he took him to the mountain. And so he's not looking at some baby who couldn't help himself. He's looking at the full-grown promise ready to take over as the heir. Why 33? That's when Jesus died. And on a mountain. And he took him to a mountain saying... I'll I'll do what God said. I'll kill him believing if necessary God will raise him from the dead. He He had all that come into his life by believing the promise. This brings you to the kicker and we'll get out of here in just a second. You say, okay, Ken, I'm with you so far. Maybe. Diligence is the key to unlock it. Diligence. It says, while Abraham was following God, he didn't waver, but was persuaded that what God said he could do, he was able to perform it. Hebrews 6 says something like this, talking to Abraham. He said, through faith and patience, he inherited the promise. Be diligent, it says, be diligent. Hebrews six eleven, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I'll bless you, multiplying I'll multiply you. And so after he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. How about Hebrews eleven six? But without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who what? Yes. Come on, who what? Yes. Who what? Yes. Diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. Tenaciously following God. Not to get something, to uncover what. You ever watch Indiana Jones? God, don't you love those movies? I love it. You can't stop him. You can't shoot him. You can't imprison him. You can't knock him down. He gets right back up. You can't keep Indiana Jones. He's going to find the treasure. That's what your pursuit with God needs to look like. It's like you may try to stop me. Devil may try to hit me. The evil may try to get me. But you can't stop me. I'm like Indiana Jones after the ark. I'm going to get to that treasure on the inside of me. I'm going to be diligent about it. It's that spirit, it's that spirit of diligence that people so fully believe that God has a plan, that God really has a destiny for my life, that God really wants to use me to be significant in the earth, that we are gonna change nations, we are gonna feed hungry people, we are gonna see people healed, we are gonna see people delivered from demons, we are gonna see people saved just like we did this morning, but in multitude times over and over, and you believe that and you diligently go after it. There's there's too much quit in the Western church. Too much quit in you. We gotta get to quit out. Believe. Against all odds. What God said about me would happen. Come on, somebody. Believe God that He what he man when. I, taught, I was taught all my life, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. And I probably was. But I didn't find any real diligence out of that message. I just felt bad all the time. And I just kept, and what's weird, I just kept doing the thing that was gonna send me. Like, yeah, I'm going to hell. But all of a sudden, somebody had a different message. They said, wait a minute. I see something in you. I was like, well, everybody else saw me going to hell. No, I see something. God's got a plan for you. God's got a destiny for you. There is some kind of something inside of you that God has put there that he sent me to tell you he wants to get that out of you. I was like, you... Jeremiah 29 just took over my life. It's been my life scripture. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a good and expected future. We pause there, keep going. Then you will seek me and you will search for me and you will find me after you have sought me with all your heart. I didn't, man, I don't know about you, but I didn't just say, oh, well, God's got a plan. Something lit up in me. Man, was some kind of diligent thing got inside of me when I heard God had a plan for me. You, you didn't have to cattle prog me to get me to church. You didn't have to get, you didn't have to make, I was there every time the doors open, every prayer meeting, every, why? Not because I was holy, because I was pursuing, somebody said there's something in me, I'm trying to find out what it is, how we gonna get it out and how I'm gonna walk in it. I went to every class I volunteered for every ministry. I was there every time the door, at 6 a.m. prayer, I'm there. Diligent. And I'm not saying this to make any light of anything, but I didn't watch TV in those days. I didn't have time for it. Because if I had time, I was seeking God. I was praying. God, I, my brother who was a pastor, I'd call him all the time. Dan, I think I'm losing my mind. He says, why? I said, all I can do is pray. All I can do is, I think I'm losing my mind. Dan, Dan's like, you're gonna be all right. I said, oh, I hope he's telling me the truth. I was like, yeah, yeah you're gonna be all right. Was I not, Dan? Dan, at midnight, I'll be calm. Dan, I think I'm losing my mind, man. I, just, I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just consumed with this stuff. Dan's like, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right. You're all right. Bev got frustrated with me one time. I said, Bev, I feel like I'm losing my mind. She said, I wish you'd just go ahead and lose it. I said, why is that? She said, if you do, you might get the mind of Christ. She said, baby, you ought to lose your mind and get the mind of Christ. I'd, lock se- I'd go to Walmart and sit in the back parking lot, lock myself in the car and worship Jesus two hours by myself with no music. I memorized Romans 8. <laughs> There is no therefore no condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus, who follow not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For what the flesh could not do, God did. Sending his own son to the likeness of sinful. Come on somebody. I listened to the word on tape. I read the word, I slept with the word. Why? I wanted to get in me whatever God was doing out of me and manifest it. Somebody shout diligence. I read about Heidi Baker, this woman I preached in conferences with, a little blonde-headed lady. Little old blonde-headed girl, I preached with her. She's wild. Just wild. I I was preaching in a conference with her. I preached the morning before. She came out the next morning to preach. I'm sitting there, everybody's listening. She just lays down on the floor. Just starts crying and praying for an hour and a half while we're all just watching. Just crying, praying, doesn't care. Just, oh God, oh God, just seeking God. People sitting there just like you watching her. I'm thinking, this is awkward. She didn't care. Crying, worshiping, everybody just watching her. This feels pretty good down here. I'm thinking, wow. Went on and on and on and on. All of a sudden she gets up. There's fire in her eyes. And just starts speaking and just power. Just pure power. You better stop it. And 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 told the story. When God said, you're going to shake a nation, and you're going to shake a nation because every, because every time you pray for a deaf person, they're going to be healed. And she said, I prayed for a thousand deaf people, and nobody got healed. A thousand. Now, I don't know about you, but after about three or four, I'd been like, wait a minute now, God. Then one day, in a village in Mozambique, stuck her fingers in a deaf woman's ears and it opened up. And since that day, her nor her team have ever prayed for a deaf person who hadn't been healed. Everyone since that day. <laughs> diligence, diligence to go after our purpose, go after our destiny, to move, that kind of diligence to say, if God said it, I believe it, and I'm gonna walk in it. In India, I was at that church, I told y'all about it, 160,000 members, they invite me to preach on a Friday night. I said, what's a Friday night service? He called, he said, a night with God. I said, how long does it last? He said, eight hours. I said, what? He said, what? I said, what do you mean? He said, we start at nine at night, and we go to five in the morning. I said, what do you do? He said, we hang out with God. He said, we preach, pray, praise, worship. I was like, what? I get there at nine, I don't get to preach till one. They've already had two sermons, three worship services in a prayer meeting before I preach. I said, why would would you guys do that? He said, who wouldn't want to hang out with God? He said, what better thing can we do? And they do it every month. All night. I said, how in the world do people find this place of living in the Spirit like this? He said, we love the Word of God. I said, I love the Word of God. He said, you love it like we do? I said, I don't know how, you love, how much you love it. He said, I talked to an 11-year-old girl yesterday. She's read the Bible twice this month. I thought I was doing good with a proverb a day. <laughs> you better stop helping me preach back there. You Read the Word. Find it in the presence. I like what you're saying. See, I believe that this is what God's calling us to do in this. To, and and, and that word diligent does If I could, if I describe it, it's not earning anything. It's just when you know something's there, and you're in pursuit of it. Um. Huh. Yeah. You just you're, you're just you know it's there and you just so want it, that you just go after it. And. uh I was with Sadhu, Severage and uh, Neville Johnson, eating breakfast. These are two really great men of God. And I'm sitting there eating eggs, right? And they're like, oh, uh, did you? I was in uh, Astros palace last night in the third heaven. Said this one to each other, I was like. And without a beating, Neville goes, yeah, did you see that foyer area? You know, it's got that nice top. Yeah, and what's that big angel about? And they're just having this conversation about this place in the heavens, third heaven, that they were both hanging out last night while I was sleeping. Uh, you know that. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 and I'm like, I don't know nothing about that world. I just don't know nothing about all that. I said, well, I, to God, I said, these must be really special men right? Lord said, nope. They're spies. That's all they are, Kent. They're just spies. I said, what do you mean? He said, I let them go into to the promised land to come back and show you what's available. Now what I need to know is, do you want it? He said, these aren't special men. They're just two spies I let go ahead of you. To come back and tell you there's so much more that you don't even know about. That God wants to let you get in on. Do you want to keep out here hanging out in the wilderness? Or do you want to go into the promises? They had a promised land. We have a land of promises. And I am just feel challenged today with, in my own life. Not, I'm not challenging I'm challenging Kent. First and foremost, to let's go on in. I know there's giants. They knew they said they're like giants, we're like grasshoppers. Understand that. But look at the fruit. Look at the fruit that's in there. See, I believe there's people in this church, you're supposed to, they're supposed to be businessmen that have such favor on you because you've gone into a place in the spirit and you came back with it. And people don't know why you're blessed because they don't know where you've been. And you just fund all kind of enterprises around the world. Nobody knows about it because you've been to a place in God and you brought it back out and manifest. That's what this whole uh, concept of going into the promised land is about. It's going into the spirit, manifesting it in the natural. There's, there's, that, there's, Some of you called to write books, heal people, deal with demonic things. See visions, dreams, revelations, manifest wisdom that you've never... It's all inside of you already. It's just a matter of us tapping into that promised land, if you will, land of promises, and manifesting it through the diligence, right? But let's be honest. You know, let, look, this is just Kent you're talking to. You know, the preacher in the blue jacket and the blue jeans. Let's be honest. We're not diligent. Let's just be honest with each other. I'm not diligent. I, I mean, I'm somewhat diligent. But nowhere where I need to be. So I'll just go ahead and tell you that bone right there. You know, I am nowhere in that place that I need to be yet Yet. But I'm headed there. And we get we're not that diligent, really. I mean, you know. Oral Roberts, when he started healing the sick, you know what he did? He told his wife, he said, I believe that God wants me to heal the sick. He said, I'm taking my Bible. I'm going in my bedroom. Don't cook till I come out because I'm not coming out till I find out how. Don't cook a meal till, till I come out because I'm not eating till I find out how to heal the sick. If it takes me an hour, if it takes me a week, if it takes me a month, I'm not coming out of my bedroom till I find out. that kind of it's edgy i understand and i understand it's not that i'm not preaching to the masses but i think we have to just be honest in our pursuit of god and i'm not trying to get us over into works either i know if god doesn't call us to it we can't do it i just believe god's calling us and if god does it he graces you for it he graces you to pursue him you can never now, I don't want you to dare don't go out here and just start trying to manifest this. I mean, God will touch us to move us. I just believe it's where we are. You know, I just believe we get a problem. We need to, before we go to the phone, we go to the throne. Digging in that word, figure out what it is before we start trying to run everywhere else to fix it. Right? And I just believe that God's just wanting to release this spirit of diligence on us, this pursuit of God, if you will, in our lives in this season, that I think we're gonna start living that scripture, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you. It's like God's given us this spiritual gift of hunger, and I believe it's manifesting in dissatisfaction. I believe what, this is what moves me, I know it moves you to say, if, if there's not more, I'm just tired of this. I don't want to keep just coming to church, doing the same thing over and over if there's not much more to what, with this than we really think that there is. And it's like this holy dissatisfaction of I just don't want to be, I don't want to do it this, this over and over again. If I want to go all the way with God in it. This holy dissatisfaction, I believe. So that's kind of my story. I'm sticking to it. So I believe it's God. One of the reasons I want us to press into it is because I want to keep seeing things like this. Let me show you this and we'll pray.
0: Our story begins around six or seven months ago. Our six-year-old, Paisley, started complaining about tummy aches. It was, first it was every week or so and then they became more frequent and at first we kind of brushed it off as you know maybe she needs a little more attention or doesn't want to clean her room or you know just anything like that but they became a lot more frequent and so and our symptoms were a lot worse too so we took her on to the doctor and you know he did an exam we waited on the results and we go back all the results are negative for anything that he had tested her for and so, he decided to ease my mind because he knew that was not going to be good enough and um, order, ordered an ultrasound. And so, we go for the ultrasound. That day, Shane and I are in the room with her and the the technician is doing the ultrasound and she scans over her bladder and Shane and I from across the room both see a mass the size of a ping pong ball on her bladder. And so. Um, just look at each other waiting on her to tell us what it is and she never did so we ask, and she turns around with this sad look on her face and tells us she doesn't know what it is and so we leave and I call her physician to look at the ultrasound and he says you know it could be a number of things all that require surgery he never said the word cancer but it was always in the back of our minds because we didn't know for sure say it was that very next Sunday was Easter Sunday and um, we go it was my first Sunday at Word Alive and very different from any other Sunday service that I've been to being raised Southern Baptist and so we go to go to the service it was wonderful and we go to leave and something just tells me to take my baby to Kent and have him pray over her and I look up there, and I see him. There's tons of people around, and and I'm just thinking, no, he's busy. And so I go to leave with the rest of my family, and something just grabs me from inside of my gut and says, take your baby to Kent right now. And so he puts his hand on her tummy, and he prays for her to be healed. And the next week, we go to her appointment at Children's. The physician had ordered another ultrasound to be done for her appointment so we do that and um, they put us in an exam room and we wait on the doctor to get in we were in there waiting for about an hour and a half and he comes in and he apologizes uh, for the long wait and he says that he was waiting on another doctor to get there so that they could compare and he said that he did and the mass was gone he said he doesn't know how to explain it other than it's just gone. And we were there in that exam room for that long waiting to schedule our baby surgery and we find out in five seconds that she doesn't even need it anymore because she's been healed. Jesus took the bad spot from the tummy.
1: Wow, come on stand up with me will you? Can we praise God for Paisley being healed miraculously by the Holy Ghost? Father, we just believe that we're in a season that you're calling us to inherit the promises. Exceeding great and precious promises. God, we know before you come back, there's gonna be a people on the earth that are gonna walk in it. And we're just saying, Lord, we wanna be part of that people. You said, God, that there's gonna come a time on the earth where your glory, the knowledge of your glory is gonna cover the whole earth like waters cover the sea. You said that even from the least to the greatest of us, we're all gonna know you. God, we started out this service talking about shining ones and how our church is becoming known in the city as a place where you can see miraculous things happen but God we want it just to just to move all of us in this season I just know there's so much calling potential anointings destiny that's alive in people's hearts and lives we're just calling you God and we're praying to you today God that you would awaken us to the fact of there's glory on the inside of us That we're inerrantly good at our core. And you're wanting us to tap into that realm, that space within us, if you will, where where nothing's impossible. There's a place within you where nothing is impossible. And it's the God part inside of you. All you got to do is get in there for a moment and everything becomes possible. Some call it the secret place. It's actually in you. It's that glory realm. It's that glory place. It's not, actually, I'm not trying to get mystical, but it's not somewhere you got to go. It's actually going somewhere inside you that's already there. It's that glory part of you. It's that space within you that when you pray that God takes you to this deep calling unto deep. It's when you get down in here in the spirit part of your life and you connect with God in a very powerful manner. So we're just saying, Lord, draw us and we'll run to you. Call us and we'll answer. Quicken us and we'll call on you. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you today to just take our lives and Just reorganize, rearrange, and maybe just touch us with a touch of diligence by the Spirit realm. And draw us to you and your presence and your glory like we've never been drawn before. We dare to pray the prayer of Moses that, God, if we found grace in your sight, show us your glory. So that we might know you and that we might make you known to the earth, to speak of your goodness, and to sing of your great grace, and to manifest your power to our generation. God, we believe it's our mandate. So Lord, we just thank you for take for encouraging us as we take our next steps. For some of us, we need to go to Freedom Track, for others, Kingdom Culture or Leadership. For some, it's just get back in the scripture, or get to a place of quiet prayer, or whatever you're leading, maybe it's missions, Whatever steps you're talking to people about today, give us the faith and courage to take the next step and move with you in this season as we unlock our purpose and our potential and become the shining ones that you're calling us to be. Father, thank you for this time with you today. Thank you for every life that's been changed. Thank you for every person that's been saved. Lord, thank you for your great goodness on our lives. And now we call our destinies into the forefront of what you're doing in this season. And we thank you for moving us forward in Jesus' name. I simply say something like this. We're forgetting those things that are behind. And we're pressing forward to that which is ahead. And we're laying hold of that which we've been laid hold for. That's the high prize of God in Christ Jesus. I bless you coming in. And now you're going to be blessed going out in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. Be blessed. If you need to be baptized, make your way down front. We'll get you baptized today.
0: I hope you enjoyed this message. For more content like this, please visit WorldLive.tv or download the Wayo app. If you're ready for your next step, jump into Freedom Track anytime. Have a great week.